This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys draft an all-time Olympic team in Out of the Box. We discuss the recent news surrounding the Big 12, as well as reveal our numbers 28 through 25 of our preseason NFL power rankings. This Week in Sports covers the NBA Finals, as well as MLB trade deadline talk. Welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Today is Friday, July 23rd. We are back with another week of fun and exciting sports talk here with your favorite Dylan and Dylan duo. Dylan Jesperson here with me as always is my co-host, colleague, co-author, and just co-sports fan, Dylan Holtz. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Um, I woke up early this morning to watch the uh, opening ceremony of the Olympics which was fantastic getting to see that once every four years is just a blast and a half as we're getting ready uh, for some Olympic sports in the coming weeks out there in Tokyo. Um, but before we get into that later on, there's something that I wanted to float uh, your way as you're a Michigan guy. Um, there's been a lot of excitement going on in the college football world. And in my neck of the woods with the University of Tennessee, we've got a QB kind of controversy going on because they've got they got Hendon Hooker who transferred in from Virginia Tech. You got Harrison Bailey, who's a former four or five star quarterback going into his sophomore year. And then we've got Joe Milton, who is former starting quarterback from the University of Michigan, who a lot of people in Knoxville have kind of got excited about. And I don't know what to think. So I want to hear what you have to say about Joe Milton. Joe Milton is a very interesting player. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school, but he has all the all the intangibles and all the skill set to be an elite quarterback. He never seen a guy throw the ball as hard as he does, uh, as far as he does. Uh, and when he had the ability to run the football and had the, uh, the dynamic ability of you know hitting his receivers, hitting open receivers, and running the ball. He was a he was an elite player for one game at Michigan. That being said, it, it fell apart very quickly. Now, part of that, uh, he had a short offseason to deal with with the COVID restrictions and everything that happened with that. Uh, it didn't really get him as a raw talent into the system uh, as well as he should have been and ready to go uh, on day one. But he's got some flaws. There's some big, big red flags there. And when it's unravels on Joe it it unravels quickly and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like he can complete anything much less uh you know those 40 40 yard bombs that you need him to hit so uh he's interesting he's got a very high ceiling and very interesting for that Tennessee team that needs a needs a quarterback with a very high ceiling uh if you get him in the right system and you get him with the right coaching staff I think he has a, a really big potential really big star potential uh but that's 
a lot a lot of moving parts parts there a lot of things that you need to get in for joe milton to be successful but i'm excited to see how he does and as he moves on uh we have an awesome show for you guys this week a reminder to follow us on tunnel vision sports podcast network on spotify and apple podcasts so that way you stay up to date with everything we are putting out we will get out of the box this week with our out of the box the second edition of this out of the box topic uh, with the 21, 2021 Olympics kicking off in Tokyo, as Dylan said, we're getting really excited and got us thinking about doing an Olympian fantasy draft. So you can think of us as expansion countries drafting our first set of athletes to our country to compete for us in the Olympics. And we want you to let you let us know who drafted the better team, who do you think would grab more medals uh, at these Olympics if these athletes represented us. The athletes can be from any country at any time period, which ranges a long time. The first International Summer Olympics were in 1896, but the Olympics have been held in Greece since the 8th century BC. So tons of options for athletes doing a snake draft just like last week. And I'll throw it to Dylan. Do you want the first pick or do you want the second and third picks this week? Um, I'll go second and third. You can take first. Okay. All right. So... I got to be a little bit more strategic if I'm going to go with the first pick. So I will take uh, the man that's probably on the top of everyone's list. Uh, United States, uh, the Olympian for the United States. Uh, got some Ann Arbor ties as well. Michael Phelps, uh, 28 total medals in his Olympic career. Eight gold in 2008, which is the record for one Olympics. 23 all-time gold medals. 13 individual medals. Uh, just an outstanding swimmer trained at the university of Michigan. Great fan, uh, great friends with Braylon Edwards. who's one of my favorite Michigan players of all time. Uh, and, you know, when you think of the Olympics in the past few years, Michael Phelps is one of the first names that comes to your mind, if not the first. So uh, if I've got the first pick, I got to get one of the, one of the two guys that I know are going to go first and second. So I'm going to take Michael Phelps and throw it to you for the, the second and third picks. Oh, for sure. Michael Phelps was at the top of my list and it has to be when you're talking about something like this. Um, I don't know if the guy I'm going to take second is the second guy you're talking about necessarily or second woman you're talking about. Um, I'm going to throw it back all the way to 1936 to the Berlin Olympics. A guy from Ohio, the Ohio State University, um, Jesse Owens. He won four Olympic gold medals at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. Uh, historians is, have credited him with uh, crushing Hitler's dream of a superior race. So I think that counts as a fifth gold medal, maybe something higher than a fifth gold medal. So, uh, and he's considered by many as kind of the goat of the Olympics because uh, you never know what he could have done if he'd gone to more and so on and so forth. And just the impact he had beyond just running. Uh, so I had to get, had to snag Jesse. Uh, and then when I was putting together my list of guys that I wanted, I, I knew I wanted to spread it out between multiple sports uh and my favorite olympic sport has always been basketball because basketball is way up there for me in just sports in general so i thought i'd go with the guy that i think of when i think of team usa basketball and that is the man out of syracuse carmelo anthony uh he is the first four-time olympian uh for team usa basketball three gold medals one bronze uh He's done it all for Team USA basketball. He's one of my favorite basketball players, and I wanted to find a, a way to draft him, and I did. And I'm very excited to have Jesse Owens and Carmelo Anthony. 
Yeah, uh, Jesse Owens uh, was not who I was thinking of, but he was on my list. He was definitely going to be on the next in the next round of, of athletes taken, so definitely stole him there. But Carmelo Anthony, when you think of, you know, that is his championship, really. The, the Olympics have been what Carmelo does the best. So uh, if you're going to take one of those basketball players, I think Carmelo is a great choice. Uh, really solid picks, really like those picks. Uh, with my second pick, I will go with the guy I thought you were going to take, uh, when you talk about the Olympics uh, in the p- recent years, Michael Phelps is one, but then Usain Bolt is the other. Fastest man alive, uh, world records in 100 meter, 200 meter, in the four by 100 meter relay, eight gold medals in the Olympics, 11 in the world championships, 23 all time gold medals in his sprinting career. Uh, and just a reminder, he was for a bit interviewing with teams to uh, possibly join the NFL as a kick return, punt return specialist. I still think that would have been an awesome uh, experiment, even if it didn't work out uh, just to see you as Sane Bolt in a football, football uniform, put those pads on. I would have loved to see uh, truly how fast he was compared to those guys. Uh, and then with my next pick, this, this one I'm sure is not on your list, but this is whenever the Olympics comes around and, uh, it really came to my attention when Michael Phelps ended up breaking the record for the most uh, Olympic medals, because I was like, okay, who did he, whose record did he break? Uh, and it goes all the way back to the original Olympics before it was international. This is Greece. We're talking 185 BCE is when this man was born. And his name is Leonidas of Rhodes. Leonidas of Rhodes achieved 12 individual gold medals over his uh, Olympic career uh, and back then, uh, little known, probably well-known fact, actually, Olympics were the Olympic Games. Most of the sprinting competitions were done in the nude. You're done naked, fully naked. But Leonidas participated in the uh, events that required you to f- uh, wear full suits of armor while you were sprinting. They, uh, it was kind of like weights that you would put on, but really uh, showing where the Olympics came from, like, these were true warriors back then uh, competing and showing their athletic prowess. Uh, 12 individual gold medals. Just Michael Phelps just recently broke that record. Uh, Leonidas of Rhodes is still considered one of the best sprinters of all time. Uh, and as a guy from BCE, I, I had to snatch him up. I, I had to get that, get that man on my list. So I'm pretty happy with my, my first three picks so far. I'll send it to Dylan for his last two picks. I did not expect Leonidas of Rhodes. I will, I will admit that I didn't have him on my list. Usain Bolt was, but I think it was. I had Usain kind of as an emergency plan in case you didn't pick him. I didn't want two sprinters because I'm trying to spread out my my wealth here. Uh, I already have Jesse Owens, so uh, I'm gonna continue that trend. Um, I've got I've got my basketball. I've got my sprinting. I uh, I'm gonna mix it up now for I guess the country of Holt. Um, I'm going to go with freestyle wrestling. I'm going to go with Kurt Angle, who won the 96 gold medal in Atlanta. He only won one gold medal, but he won that gold medal, as he's famously known for, with a broken freaking neck. And I think that that's a guy, like, in this fantasy world, he's healthy. He can, he can do it all. Um, that, that's a guy I won on my team. Uh, he, he was dominant in his amateur career in college. Uh, winning two national championships and then winning the world uh, wrestling championship in 95 before the 96 Olympics. And then went on to have a very, very uh, talented professional wrestling career in the WWE. 
Um, so that's the guy I'm getting with my third pick. I'm very happy. Kurt Angle, an all-time favorite of mine. And then this fourth pick, there's a couple of ways I want to go. Am I allowed to have a winter Olympian? Because we didn't specify, so I'm going to ask you. Yeah, I am. We didn't specify, so I don't. I don't think that's uh, against the rules. I go for it. All right, awesome. So I'm going to pick another one of my favorites. Uh, he's a Winter Olympian, but I think with the new things coming into the Olympics this year, like skateboarding, and then you've got stuff like BMX, I think he fit right in with it. I'm going to go with Sean White, three-time gold medalist in the Winter Olympics. Uh, he's always been a favorite of mine, uh, especially after he did that. We're talking Mountain Dew Baby interview. Uh, he's an electric athlete. Uh, it's a clean sweep for Americans on my team, which I kind of expected to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited to have Melo. Jesse Owens, Kurt Angle, and Sean White. I'll send it to you for your last pick. Yeah, Kurt Angle really brings up some nostalgia for me. Uh, back, I was a wrestling fan way back in the day when I was growing up, and Kurt Angle was one of those first guys. He was a superstar uh, in the WWE right when I was breaking into the WWE. So uh, definitely a good pick there. I like that pick. Uh, and Sean White, definitely a good pick as well. Uh, I have a decision to make with my last pick. Uh, I I think I'm pretty solid with this last pick, though. Uh, probably the only recent Olympian on any of our lists, uh, the only one competing this year, uh, but dominant in her own right. I'm going with Simone Biles from the United States. Uh, maybe the best Olympic gymnast of all time, men or women's. Uh, when you have a name named after you, when you have a move named after yourself, uh, you know you're in an elite category. Uh, she's the most decorated U.S. gymnast of all time, maybe the greatest gymnast of all time, period. Four Olympic gold, 27 all-time gold medals in all of the uh, Olymp- or in all of her gymnastics career. Uh, and I think the most dominant U.S. Olympian right now. Uh, everyone knows Simone Biles' name, and uh, I'm happy that she can round out my list. Uh, but I think this is a very solid competition. I think we both got really good names on both of our lists any anyone that uh you left off your list that uh you were thinking about drafting so uh i had quite a few basketball names just in case you nabbed mellow which i didn't think you would but uh i had lebron and kobe down just in case michael jordan and then i had uh mark spitz who won nine gold medals in swimming and carl lewis who won 10 medals nine gold and one silver in track uh so those were the those are the names that are kind of my alternates and that's who i I would have went with either Spitz or Lewis, probably Spitz, if uh, if I was not allowed to go with Sean White. And then I also had Tony Hawk, but uh, I didn't I didn't go with Tony Hawk because he wasn't an Olympian uh, and skateboarding just became a thing. But Tony Hawk, if he would have been allowed to skate, if skateboarding was an Olympic sport back in the day, Tony Hawk might be more decorated than Michael Phelps. What about you? Who did you have as alternates or who barely missed you? Yeah, that's almost – kind of disappointing to that skateboarding is now an Olympic sport and we're going to have to go through and other, other skateboarders will have Olympic gold medals and Tony Hawk won't. It just is kind of pain. Like the, we all know Tony Hawk is the, the true OG in the, in the skateboarding category. Uh, I really have only one because uh, Jesse Owens was going to be on my list. Simone Biles was kind of an alternate. I, I kind of wanted to decide between him and him and Simone Biles at the end. Uh, but my only other alternate in case, Someone that got taken, I, I was pretty confident Leonidas Rhodes would still be there. But Jim Thorpe was my only alternate that didn't get taken. Uh, obviously, pro football Hall of Famer, 
but as well as an uh, Olympic athlete, uh, won gold in the decathlon and the pentathlon in the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm. And a uh, cool fact about that, he won the pentathlon, which is uh, five events. Uh, he swept it other than the javelin throw. And the only reason he didn't win that event is because he had never thrown a javelin before getting to the Olympics. Still finished third in that event. Uh, just showing you how versatile and how amazing that dude was as an athlete. Uh, went on to be a pro football, college football Hall of Famer. Uh, the best defensive back award in college football is named after Jim Thorpe. So uh, I wanted to get him on the list, but I think Simone Biles is maybe a, a bit more of an eye catcher. But uh, shout out to Jim Thorpe for his uh, long uh, and awesome athletic career that he had. All right, be sure to be looking out for those polls on Twitter and Instagram to help us decide who had the better group of Olympians and who we left off our list that you think should have made it. Uh, we will move on now to some of the breaking news out of college football, as it seems that the Big 12 is falling apart. Rumors were made somewhat official today that both Texas and Oklahoma will be leaving the Big 12 and barring some last second change will be headed to the SEC. It's massive news and ma- that has massive implications on the entirety of college sports. Dylan, I'll throw it to you. As someone whose favorite team resides in the SEC, what is your reaction to this news? I'm not a huge fan of it because it terrifies me because my favorite team that lies in the SEC is Tennessee, and we're not very good, and we haven't been very good for a long time because other teams in the SEC are really good. If Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC, which it looks like we very well might be headed to that, they're going to both be really good because the – the advantage of SEC recruiting will just be a nice kick in the butt for Texas. And Oklahoma's already really good, so it'll probably just make them even better, which is it, it's a scary, scary thought for someone as a Tennessee fan. Um, I think it's really interesting, especially with uh, the SEC, uh, the new TV deal coming up. It's just going to generate more money for the conference, which is good. Uh, but it, I think it's – we talked – uh, about 10 years ago, everybody was talking about how the super conferences were becoming a thing. And this this would be an actual super conference. Um, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know how it would work, honestly. Our, how does a 16-team conference work? Do you, do you do eight teams in the East and West? Do you break it down into little pods? There's been a lot of pitched ideas on what to do. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I – Tennessee has had a series with Oklahoma in football over the past decade. We've played about three or four times. And it's been a ton of fun having Oklahoma come to Knoxville, Tennessee going to Norman has been a ton of fun. And they've been very good games. Oklahoma's won most of them, but they've been fun. So, I mean, they're programs that would fit right in. They're, they're so passionate about their sports. And it's one football. Both of them are, are uh, competitive in basketball. Texas was just really good at baseball. Uh, it add a lot to the conference, but I think you, you near closer to the super conference. What in the world happens to the big 12? Does that dissolve? Um, what does Kansas do? They're like the, they're a blue button ba- basketball, but football's not as competitive. Are they just, they're, they going to try to stick around? Um, I don't know. I think it, it raises more questions than it gives answers. And I think that's fun as people that sit here every Friday and talk about sports. Um, I guess, what I'm going to ask to you is what were your first initial reactions to the Texas and Oklahoma news? Yeah. And uh, my first reaction was very similar to yours. This is basically the first step towards the super conferences that we've heard about for so long. Uh, uh, with that idea, it was basically four conferences with the majority of the, the powerful teams. 
Uh, and in that scenario, one of the conferences has to go and uh, either fall out of relevancy or just dissolve in totality. And it seems like that's where the Big 12 is, is headed at this point. They were the weakest conference before, uh, had to just kind of create a conference championship game, even though they only had uh, 11 teams. And they're, they're in a tough spot because now their two most powerful teams are leaving and it's not there's not much you can do after that. Even with Kansas's relevancy in basketball, uh, there's not much you can do with the teams that you have left. So it seems like those teams are breaking apart and it, it makes me really interested. That's, that was where my initial thought process was, is where do the rest of the teams go? Where does a team like Baylor go in, in, an, in a realigning conference situation? Because there's no real geographical place that makes sense for them other than maybe the PAC 12, but that still doesn't even really seem right. And I don't know. It, that's why you're right. It, it, it raises more questions than it, than it answers. Um, I think my next thought was, I think Texas may regret this in a football sense uh, pretty quickly. Uh, they're in the same spot really that Tennessee and Michigan have been is that they're, they're, they're close to coming back maybe, but they're still, they're still not there yet. And I know it's Texas and they could feasibly be, be back at the top at any time. But if you can't compete in the big 12, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete in the sec and they haven't competed in the big 12 for the past. I don't know how many years it's been a while since Texas has been truly back. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, and just finally, I think I'm most uh, my, my most positive uh, feeling that came out of this was that I'm just happy to see Texas and Texas A&M get their rivalry back. Uh, and talking to fans of those two schools, uh, it's one of the purest rivalries in all of sports. And lately it's just been like subtle jabs on social media and they never really play each other in anything. Uh, it's it's going to be cool to see how these teams have progressed. They haven't played since 2011. And that, I mean, that's 10 years ago now that Texas and Texas A&M haven't seen each other on the football field. So I'm just excited to see if it goes in that direction, they're in the same conference uh, that those two teams uh, get their rivalry back. But it's going to be interesting to see how these teams break down and what these conferences do in the in the meantime. I think uh, this could really benefit a conference like the American, where they're trying. They've tried so hard over these years to say, "Hey, we're a power. It's a power six. It's not power five. Power six. The American. We're right here with you." You got teams like UCF and Memphis who have been really good over the past few years, and Cincinnati throw them in there too. If they could go in and swoop up some teams like Baylor and Texas Tech, or even Kansas, uh, if the Big Twelve was to dissolve, that that makes them their argument to be a, a power six, or it would be power five with Big Twelve gone. But their their argument to be up there with them even better. Uh, be interesting. I I've seen things like BYU joining the Big Twelve, which would be something um i i don't know that it'll happen but uh there's a lot a lot of questions and that's what makes it fun we get to we get to uh question the future of college football and it's always up in the air no one no one knows what's going to happen next it makes it fun but yeah definitely fun uh saw the rumor just before we started recording that kansas had reached out to the big 10 uh, possibly making like a super conference for basketball in that regard uh, with Michigan, Michigan state, uh, Kansas, and that, that would be insane to see. So a lot of moving things up in the air. We're going to keep our eye on that for sure. Should be interesting to watch as the big 12 
uh, moves forward with what they're going on, uh, what's going on there. We will switch gears now to the next batch of NFL power rankings coming your way. Last week, we revealed our bottom four teams of the league. Now we move on to the 28 to 25 range. Teams that are not necessarily on the bottom, but uh, hope does not run too high at the same time. We start with Dylan at pick 28. Who do you got uh, rounding out the, the 28th spot in your power rankings? At 28, I went with the team that you went with last week. Uh, I went to the AFC South, my second AFC South team, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I don't like putting them this low because I feel like they could make me look stupid, but there's other teams I've put lower that could also make me look stupid, so it is what it is. I, I really like the roster. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, there's no telling what he could be. He could be a top-ten quarterback for this year for all we know, or he could look like a rookie. Uh, Urban Meyer, the same thing. He could he could be an awesome rookie head coach, or he could be a rookie head coach and struggle a little bit. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks. I really like their skill players. Uh, bringing in ETN from Clemson, the familiarity with Trevor, and then having James Robinson, who had a great rookie year last year for them. Uh, LaVisca Chenault going into his second year, uh, the receiver from the University of Colorado. I really, really like him. DJ Chark is a guy that I've had in fantasy uh, for quite a few years who I've really enjoyed watching uh, play down there in Jacksonville. And then Josh Allen uh, on the defensive end down there in that Saxonville, as they call it, has uh, been a joy to watch when he's not playing the Titans. Um, I think this is a team that could surprise people. because I think uh, people are maybe overhyping two other teams in the AFC South, and they could, they could surprise some people. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Jacksonville at 28. I think they're just a little too young, not ready to make a leap uh, quite – uh, high yet in these rankings who do you have at 28 yeah i'm gonna do very similar to you i've got someone that you had in your list last week i've got the philadelphia eagles at 28 i like jalen hurts a lot and i i actually think he's going to be a solid quarterback in the future i just don't like the rest of this team and their franchise as a whole uh i just don't see them winning a ton this year even with a brutal nfc east the, the way that that division plays out uh, I still don't think they're very talented in terms of, you know, how they match up with the other teams. I think the Cowboys will be a lot better this year. I think the Redskins or the Washington football team, I'm sorry, uh, are making strides to be better. So uh, I think they're probably the worst team in the worst division, uh, which still could end up playing out. I mean, they could win six games and be in a playoff hunt. So that it's an interesting way to play out, but I think they're the least talented team in the worst division. So I'll go with the Eagles at 28. Uh, what do you get at 27? At 27, I'm going with another team that is young and I like, but they're not quite ready to make a make a leap up in these rankings. They're in a very tough division. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, I like what they have going. Uh, we talked about it a lot when the draft was going on. I really wish they would have gone with offensive line help for Burrow instead of going with Jamar Chase. But it worked at LSU. It very well could work in Cincinnati. Uh, throw him in there with T. Higgins and everything else they have going on in that offense with Joe Mixon, Burrow, Higgins, and Chase. Uh, could be a lot of fun to watch, but they have a very, very tough division. The AFC North is stacked with maybe three playoff teams. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tough year two for Zach Taylor and uh, Joe Burrow, uh, but it'll be interesting. I think they're going to be a fun team, but the, these fun young offensive teams, I, I think they're going to have a rough time this year. Uh, but yeah. The Bengals at 27. Uh, who do you have at 27? 
So I'm going to go back to the NFC East. I told you the NFC East is the worst division in football. Uh, so we'll go with another team out of that to round out the, the bottom six of the league. A uh, bit farther along in the rebuild than the Jets and the Lions, but the New York Giants are going to uh, come in at 27. I'm just not sold on the direction of what their rebuild has taken. I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones guy, even though he has impressed me since they, they took him at that spot. I thought that he was a bad pick. He's turned into a pretty solid pick, uh, but now he has to step up and be elite. If you're a top 10 drafted quarterback, you can't just be serviceable. You can't just be pretty good. You got to win games. And it's up to him to lead this team past where they were last year, six and nine, uh, not very competitive uh, because he doesn't have a ton of help. He really is the guy on that offensive side of the ball. And uh, I don't know if that's really the way that the Giants thought that the, the offseason would shape up, but that's where they're at now. Uh, now they got to deal with it. Uh, maybe Daniel Jones makes a big step forward, but uh, if he's just where he was last year, I think the Giants are probably near the bottom of the NFC East again, uh, unfortunately for them. Uh, we will move on to 26. Who do you have in your 26 spot in your power rankings? I think my 26th pick is kind of controversial, and that's okay. Uh, I think this fan base might hate me, and that's okay. Um, this is a team that I'm just – I can't get excited about. I, I feel like they lost quite a bit, and I just – I can't find myself getting excited about them. I couldn't put them any higher on my list. I'm going with – out of the AFC West, I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I just I, – I can't get excited about them. I think they're the worst team in the West. I don't think they're bad necessarily – but I think they're going to have a really tough time against those other teams. I think there's two of the teams in the West are very young. The other one's dominant. Uh, and I think they're going to have a hard time uh, going against them. I just, I just, I'm not crazy about them. They can't, they don't excite me. Uh, they, they've got a, I don't know. I just, I don't see Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Waller and Ruggs doing much. I, I just don't, and I might be a hater. I don't know, but I, I don't see it. Uh, so I'm going with the Raiders, the, the black and silver at 26. Who do you have at 26? Yeah, I feel like the Raiders are built up with a lot of guys that are, are good fantasy players, but don't necessarily gel well uh, when you talk about them as number one options all across the board. So uh, I see where you're going with there. Uh, I don't have them in this batch, but uh, definitely coming soon. Uh, at 26, I've got the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is the year that the bottom drops out on the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan lost his best target this offseason to your Titans. And I think that's going to hurt way more than anyone thinks it does. When Matt Stafford lost Calvin Johnson, his numbers took a huge dip. And that's because Calvin Johnson is a one of a kind type talent. Julio is that kind of talent. And I think that's going to be enough for the, the wheels to fall off. The bottom falls out on this team. They lose a bunch early. Uh, and Matt Ryan basically starts packing it up. And the, the Falcons have to start their rebuild after this season, because I think this is the year it really gets bad for Atlanta fans. Uh, rounding it out, we've got 25. Who do you got at 25? I absolutely love that pick at 26, and I love it so much that I'm going with it at 25. 25, we got the Atlanta Falcons, and for many of the same reasons, I think the South's pretty good. I think the, the Panthers got better. The Saints maybe didn't get better, but the Saints were already really good, and the Buccaneers are the Super Bowl champions, so uh, it can't be much better than that. Uh, the Falcons got worse. They lost Julio, who, in my opinion, is the best receiver in the game, and I will hear no other. Uh, he plays for the Tennessee Titans now, and I love it. Uh, and I think that's going to, like you said, it's going to hurt Matt Ryan. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough year. I think Arthur Smith is a really good coach. 
Uh, he did a great job with Tennessee over the past few years, but I think it's it's going to be rough sledding in the first year in Atlanta, and that's all right. They're 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 in a rebuild process. I think uh, I think Ryan's time in Atlanta might be numbered, and that's okay. Get into a team that can compete and thank him for his time there. But yeah, uh, I think Atlanta comes in at twenty five and rounds out my power rankings this week. Uh, who do you have at twenty five? Yeah, and with the with the Falcons just finally wrapping them up, uh, it's tough. Uh, with with Matt Ryan, you have a former MVP as your quarterback. It's tough to move on from that. Even you still feel like you have a chance as long as he's on your roster. So it's tough. I but I think this is a year where Atlanta fans really get uh, a dose of what's coming because it's it's going to be bad. I think uh, at twenty five, I've got the Bengals. Uh, not as low as you had them, but I still think you know, kind of in the same vein of what you were saying. I hope Joe Burrow is at 100% this year and the Bengals can give him a chance because we know how talented he is. And like you said, drafting Jamar Chase in the first round should help him out. Uh, we hope it helps him out. Uh, and I think I do. I think they will tear up the league and improve me. I hope they prove me wrong, but they're still the Bengals. You know, it's it's a lot of these teams near the bottom. You You really just have to say the Bengals are the Bengals. And I don't think they'll really prove – uh, to be more than what they have been in the past. So uh, I hope Joe Burrow has a great bounce back year, but not not expecting much from his team. Uh, so keep, uh, keep a tab on our social media pages. You'll see more posts of our power rankings coming out, and we will get you 24 through 20 next week. Uh, or 24 through 21, actually, would be four, right? Yeah. I don't know why I'm so bad at the math on that. All right. We will move on from our regular topics to this week in sports. And uh, we mainly want to talk about the Bucks and Giannis and their fantastic four game stretch last week to secure their first NBA championship in 50 years. Giannis went off for 50 points, 14 boards and five blocks in the clinching game six. We can't stop thinking about it. So we have to talk about it. Dylan, just give me your overall thoughts on the NBA finals and Giannis's performance. The NBA Finals were a bundle of fun. I had an absolute blast watching them and covering them and talking about it and everything else. Uh, I, I really think Giannis, and it's crazy to say Giannis took the next step as he's a former two-time MVP and a defensive player of the year, but it really feels like Giannis took that next step. And I don't think anyone really expected it in that series, especially coming off that knee injury in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think maybe the expectations were lower for him in the finals, and that might be why watching him was so spectacular, seeing what he did. And I, I've kind of hampered on all the graphics they put up comparing into all these all-time greats like Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, Shaq, LeBron. It's just awesome to see, especially him being 26 years old, the, the future so bright in Milwaukee and for Giannis. Uh, it's just a pleasure pleasure to watch and cover um, and then with the Suns, they were really, really fun to watch through the playoffs. And even the first two games, they were a blast. And they were very competitive throughout the series. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see what these two two teams do the, in the future. And it was exciting to see what they did uh, for six games in the NBA Finals. Uh, what, what were your thoughts watching the Finals and with what Giannis did and everyone else? Yeah, uh, I echo everything you said. The Bucks really exciting, really fun to see. Uh, and, and the Suns as well. I uh, got to give them credit for an awesome – 
postseason as well. Uh, I think what makes Giannis so special, and I touched on this yesterday in the NBA roundtable, but he just has so much more room to grow as a basketball player. He's still somewhat raw on the offensive end, and it's mainly his freak athletic ability that allows him to do things no one else can do. Uh, but if he can develop a jump shot, if he can refine his offensive game to where he's attacking with the same urgency while keep, keeping people honest with his jump shot as well as his passing, he could be the best player ever. And I don't really feel like restricted in saying that because I, how freak athletic he is, if he can put together all of the basketball tools that we've seen guys like LeBron, Kevin Durant, and, and so on and so forth put together – he has the highest ceiling of any of those guys. There's no one that really matches up with Giannis in terms of freak athletic ability at six foot 11 and what he could do. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever have a jump shot where he's shooting over people like Kevin Durant, but even just something to keep people honest could really make him dangerous. And, and that's with him scoring 50 points in a clinching NBA finals game already. So that's just what makes him so impressive uh, is just he's so good, but he's got so much more room to grow, and I think that's so cool. Uh, looking forward to what his career could be because he he's got he's got a lot of potential to be even better. Uh, I wanted to get Dylan's thoughts on a quick something here, so I'm going to share my screen with him. Uh, if you're listening to just the audio, uh, we'll try to explain it best as possible, but uh, we'll try to get clips of this as well on social media so you guys can watch along. Uh, we're basically going to rank the top six players from the NBA finals in terms of where they sit in the league. So if you've got the video and you're looking at it, we've got S tier, A plus tier, A tier, B tier, and C tier. In the S tier, we've got guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron, guys that are number one uh, top five guys in the league. You could build your franchise around him, uh, possibly win a championship with just them as your as your only real main player. At A plus, we've got guys like Steph Curry, who are you know former MVPs, uh, but probably need a little bit of help to to make a, a finals team. Uh, at A tier, we've got guys like Jokic, who are you know former MVP as well, but for sure gonna need someone else, maybe a couple other guys to make a, a team competitive in the long run. And then down at B tier, guys like Donovan Mitchell, stars on the team, maybe number one, could be number two guys on other teams. And all the way down at C tier, guys like Gordon Hayward, all-stars in their own right, but certainly not number one options on their team. So we will start with Giannis. Dylan, where do you think Giannis uh, uh, ranks in, the, in these types of tiers? I'd say in this kind of tier, when you got a guy like Kevin Durant and LeBron up there, and I was just saying they're comparing him to him all week, I, I think you got to put Giannis in that S tier. I think that's where he belongs, especially after that performance in the finals. Uh, I think he belongs right up there with LeBron and Kevin Durant in today's NBA. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I think this performance in the finals put him in that tier. It's LeBron, KD, and Giannis. Uh, those are the guys that alone, I think you you start with that and you build the team outward from that, and you're going to find a way to win a championship regardless. Uh, we will move on. I think this is the guy that really deserves this count, this topic. Chris Middleton, where does he rank now? in terms of tiers in the NBA uh, after his standout performance in the postseason? Yeah, this one's tougher uh, because I think Giannis, after his performance, it was kind of like, yeah, he's, he's right there with LeBron and KD. Middleton's kind of – he's been the one we've talked about quite a bit on the roundtables, 
and kind of like what how big is Middleton for this team, the Bucks that just won the championship. I think he's between A and B, and I think honestly he probably goes in B with Donovan Mitchell. I I don't think he's quite to the level of a Jokic. I, I think he's right there with Donnie. Uh, I think that's I think that's the right range for him, right in that beach B uh, tier. Yeah, I would probably agree, and he, he could probably maybe with the right system stretch into that A tier where he would be the number one focus, but he would need at least a couple other guys around him. So I have no problem putting him in that B tier with Donovan Mitchell. I think that's a, the right spot. We've got Drew Holiday, uh, the point guard for the Bucks, uh, had some standout performances, had some okay performances in the finals. Uh, where do you think he goes? I think that's Eric Bledsoe, actually, but fine. Oh, standing geez, for Drew Holiday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We can use him as uh, Drew. If yeah, I don't think they're actually there. Drew uh, But I, that's okay. Uh, we can put Drew Eric Bledsoe Holiday. Oh, I think he he belongs in that seat there. there uh, he yeah, is. there he is. There he is. Yep, right there by DeRozan. Yep, let's put Drew uh, in there with Gordon Hayward. I think. I think that's yep. where Drew will go because he's he's a tear down from Chris. Yeah, I think that that looks yeah. like the right spot for Drew. Yep, definitely agree for the one, two, and three. And that, that, I think that's a really good solid core for the Bucks. You've got a, one of those top guys, and mm-hmm. then you've got a B and C tier guy. And I think that's what, what makes it work. Uh, we'll get Eric Bledsoe out of there. We've got. We'll move on to the Suns now. Uh, we'll start with the center DeAndre Ayton, where he he had some really good performances. Uh, I think really established himself as one of the top centers in the league, but. Uh, where do you think in terms of the entire league where he ranks in a, in a tier list like this? I think when you're talking entire league, and I think we kind of have to put the blinders on from he struggled in the finals going against Giannis. Giannis is – he's in a tier with three people who are three all-time greats, and I think that's understandable. I think Aiton probably goes in that B tier with Middleton and Don. I think I think Aiton with the potential he has and how good he has been. He did struggle in the last few finals games with how good he will be and how good he is right now. I think right now he's in that beard B tier. Yeah, I would have to agree as well. Uh, I think moving his way up into that A tier though, uh, and obviously struggled in the finals, but yeah. I think he's very solid, very efficient, and uh, very young at the same time. He's got a lot of room to grow as well. Mm-hmm. So I think. Uh, moving his way towards the A tier, but I'm fine with B tier. Uh, Devin Booker now, uh, standout again, standout performances, lackluster performances at other times. Uh, where does Devin Booker rank up uh, in your mind? I think he goes in that A tier with Jokic. I'm not, I'm not sure he's in that A plus tier yet. I think he's in the A tier with Jokic. I think that's the right spot for him because he is very, very good, as is Jokic. Uh, but I think he still needs pieces around him to help him because we've seen – well, we haven't seen him alone really since he was quite a bit younger in the league, uh, but he's a dynamic offensive force who very well could be in that A-plus or S-tier in a couple of years. Yep. Agreement again. He's very young, uh, but was the number one option when the Suns were at their best. He was the the, the number one scorer, and I think uh, he, he could be that guy for a lot of different teams uh, if you needed him to be, so – no problems there. We'll wrap it up with CP3. Uh, finally made it to the finals. Ended up uh, dropping the final four games after having maybe an MVP performance in the first two games. Uh, now has to move on and figure out what he's going to do next. Where do you have CP3 after his first finals appearance uh, in the tier list? 
CP3 is a tough one because we know what we're getting. Uh, he's at the point of his career where we've kind of seen it all, um, and he can do a whole lot. Uh, I think I think he's probably going in that A tier with Devin Booker and Nicole Jokic. I don't think he's quite to Steph, and I, he's not in that S tier because that's very few guys in there. But I don't think he's quite to Steph. I think he's right there with Booker and Jokic. I think that's the right place for him because he does. He elevates teams. Uh, we saw him elevate the Thunder to be a better team than they should have been. And they came in, and the Suns had a great future, uh, and they do even without Chris Paul if he decides to leave. But uh, he takes them to the next level. That's how good he is at the point position uh, and how good he is at spreading the rock and creating offense for himself. But yeah, I think, I think he's right there with Jokic and Booker below Steph and KD and Braun and, Jokic, uh, and Giannis. Yeah, I, and I think I agree there too. I think maybe you could bounce him down to the B tier if uh, – you look at his time in LA, he was probably the number two guy behind Blake Griffin and his time in OKC. He was true. The number one guy, but they really weren't that competitive. Uh, and, and in Phoenix, it's tougher to say really what he was, but I do think he, he elevates teams. He's one of the best point guards of all time. Uh, and, and we'll figure out where he goes. Uh, I think uh, his, his story is not yet written. I think there's a little bit more to Chris Paul's legacy that's going to happen in the next couple of years. So we'll really see what happens with Chris Paul. Uh, I think in a post Suns era, uh, I think after he moves on from Phoenix, we'll really see what Chris Paul's uh, career wraps up to be. All right. Awesome stuff there. We will upload this, this tier list to our social media pages as well. You can give us a thought, uh, your thoughts on how we did, uh, if you would rank guys higher or lower or go ahead and do the other guys on that list. I saw guys like Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I think they would be interesting to rake as well on a tier list like that. We will move on to our yeah, last he, list. Go, we, go. Might have to, we might have to do that soon with uh, Kat and guys like that. Do kind of like a young stars, maybe something like that. Keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely up, open to doing more of that for sure. Uh, we will move on finally to our last this week in sports topic. The MLB trade deadline is coming up soon and we are getting interested in the moves that teams are starting to make. The Rays made the first move already. They acquired DH Nelson Cruz from the twins. Uh, and we're just thinking about moves that could happen. We want to happen. Uh, maybe just moves that are on our mind as the all-star or as the trade deadline uh, moves forward. So, Dylan, what are your moves are on your mind as we move towards the MLB trade deadline coming next week? So, I've got three trades at the top of my mind that I think need to happen, and I want to see them happen soon. I want to see, and I think it, it'd be awesome to see, I, I want to see Chris Bryant, uh, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez all get traded. I, I think that would be really good for the league, be, be good all around. I'd like to see Chris Bryant. Uh, get sent to a team like the Mets. I think it would really help that team. Uh, the Mets or the Phillies, I think would either, either one would be a great fit. Uh, see Bryant with uh, Bryce Harper and Philly would be really, really cool. And it would help Philadelphia tremendously in that NL East that's wide open, it seems like. And it's the same with the Mets, put him, plug him in with the Mets. And the fun thing about Bryant is he can play anywhere. Chris Bryant, you can put him at first, third, outfield, whatever, uh, and make an, an immediate impact. Um Anthony Rizzo, I, I, because I see the Cubs as sellers, and I, I, as a Cardinals fan, I'd like to see them get rid of their stars. I, I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I'd like to see Anthony Rizzo maybe go to an AL team, uh, so the Cardinals don't have to deal with him as much. I think he can thrive in the AL. 
uh, gets to play some DH a little bit. Uh, I don't know. There's not a team that just screams out to me right now as like an Anthony Rizzo fit. Uh, maybe somebody like, which would be really cool. I really like the Seattle Mariners. If the Seattle Mariners went out and got Rizzo, that would be really cool. It's somebody we wouldn't expect. Uh, that first base hole is kind of open for them. They've got Ty France has been playing first base a little bit for them. We get DH for them. Uh, that's a team that sneaky is good this year, and it's a lot of fun to watch them. Uh, and then Javi. Javi could go wherever. Everybody, I think, would be interested in Javi. I've seen Yankees uh, people talking about Javi coming to New York, which – everyone's going to say Javi or, or they're going to say whoever's going to come to New York because they're the Yankees and they think they just have the all-star team every year. But um, I think all three of those guys are going to have new homes. There's a good chance at least one of them anyways. I, I'd very much like to see that. Uh, it would be very cool in my book. Uh, other names that I have uh, kind of starred in, uh, in italics would be Joey Gallo down there in Texas. I'm interested to see what happens to him. He's another guy. Uh, that I'd like to see in Philly with Bryce Harper because uh, they've got connections. Max Scherzer in Washington, what's going to happen to him? Be cool if he came home to Missouri, played for the Cardinals. Who knows? Uh, Eduardo Escobar out there in Arizona has been ta- in trade talks. Uh, he's a first-time All-Star. We'll see what happens to him. And then Trevor Story, I think it'd be awesome if the Colorado Rockies decided, hey, we already gave the Cardinals Nolan Arenado. You know, let's send them his buddy Trevor Story. They can have a good old time in Missouri. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. And then uh, the realistic trade that I have for the Cardinals, because uh, the other ones, not not the most realistic, but uh, those are all guys that I do see getting uh, uh, having a very good chance of getting traded. The realistic trade I see for my team would be uh, one with Arizona, because Arizona is a struggling team. They might try to get some money off the books. Uh, I'd like to see them try to get Cattell Marte. Patel's had uh, some injury problems this year. I think it'd be a great fix. He can play so many different positions, play outfield, second, short. Uh, it'd be a guy that could put into the Cardinals lineup and instantly make an impact. He's had a really good year when he's been on the field. Uh, it's just injuries have hurt him. Uh, and I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Mad Bum, but he's got a very big contract. I don't know if the Cardinals will want to add that to the books, but I'd like to see Mad Bum in the Cardinals uniform. Uh, but I doubt that happens. I think we're on the way to a really exciting trade deadline. I think a lot of things could happen, which is really fun. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun to see what happens. Uh, what trades are you looking forward to seeing? What guys on the move? And then uh, do you have a trade in mind for your Detroit Tigers? Well, I'll start off with that. As a as a Tigers fan, it's actually exciting to be at the trade line, deadline this year and just be spectators. You know, for the past – four or five years, the Tigers have been sellers at the trade deadline uh, and big sellers. Uh, So at this point, it seems like we've got a a young core of guys that are going to be around for a while. At the same time, we're really not that competitive for the AL Central, um, not really competitive for the wild card. So it really doesn't make sense to even make moves to be more competitive at this point. So it seems like the Tigers are going to stay by, and I'm fine with that. I kind of like the roster the way it is now. Uh, wait till the offseason to make your moves. And, and I think that's the way that the Tigers are really uh, shaping up and being. Uh, guys, names that I'm interested to see what will happen. Uh, Max Scherzer, you brought it up with the Nationals. The Nationals aren't too competitive this year, but the NL East is very weak, and they're not far from the playoff hunt at all. So it's interesting to watch a team like that who has a star pitcher like that uh, who's talking about, you know, he will waive his no trade clause to, to go to a team, even if they don't offer him a, an extension. Um, 
So he seemingly wants out of Washington, but at the same time, they're right on the berth, right on the edge of a playoff berth. So uh, teams like that are interesting. You don't know if, you know, competing, do you go out and try to compete where you know you're not really even close to teams like the Dodgers or the Padres or the Giants in terms of talent? Or do you sell, even though there's a playoff berth potentially right there? So I think that's that's really interesting to me. I'd like to see how the Nationals uh, thought process works. Uh, and the other guy I have written down is Joey Gallo and I'm not a Yankees guy, but I think Joey Gallo in Yankee stadium makes a lot of sense. Uh, short right field porch. He, he could be hitting 40, 50 bombs a year in Yankee stadium. I think it just fits. It makes sense. Uh, even though it doesn't, if the Yankees really want to be more competitive with the, with the Red Sox and the Rays in that division, they'd probably go out and get a few more pieces, but a couple more consistent hitters that can put the ball in play and let guys like Stanton and judge uh, hit the, hit the hell of the ball, but it's the Yankees. They're going to try to make that blockbuster move. Uh, if Joey Gallo's on the market, I think they go and snatch him up and, and make for a, a really solid three, four, five, uh, two, three, four, five with LeMahieu in there too. So I, I think the that will be the blockbuster move that happens. Uh, I think it's interesting that your your three favorite moves would all gut the Cubs uh, of their star players. I, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that strategy. And it's possible. I think the Cubs are are on the on the other half of their, of their run, you know, they had their world series run. They, they won the world series once now they're on the other side of it and they've got to decide what they're going to do with those guys. Uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think, like you said, it's going to be a really exciting trade deadline uh, as we wrap up uh, here in the next week or so when that comes up. All right. That is going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get going? Um, I just want to give my best wishes to the Chicago Cubs stars as they're probably entering their last week with the Cubs. Uh, it's been a great run. Uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart as a Cardinals fan. I wish you the best of luck, hopefully not in the NL Central. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think today was a really good show. I had fun. Uh, make sure to go vote on the Olympian uh, draft on Instagram and Twitter. We'll have those posts up later. Um, and I'm excited for a weekend of baseball and Olympic uh, sports. Cardinals take on the Reds this weekend, big series in Cincinnati. Hopefully the Cardinals get in second place, fire up the front office, make some moves. Now we can get some more star players in St. Louis. and talk about that a whole bunch coming up in the weeks and months coming up. So, yeah, uh, excited for all the sports coming up in life. Absolutely, absolutely. We are moving forward from midseason MLB stuff to – close to postseason MLB stuff. So exciting stuff going on there. Obviously check out our social media pages later for the Olympian stuff, all the other stuff that we've got going on. I'm sure we'll have a bunch of social media posts that you guys can interact with. Tell us your thoughts uh, on our show from today. A quick reminder where you can find us. You can find us at Dylan Dylan show at on Twitter and Instagram. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. This has been the Dylan and Dylan Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all next week. See you later.